ROI, return on investment. Will leadership skills really make a difference for your organization on the shop floor? Let's find out. Hello, and thank you for joining us today. My name is Joe White, and I'm the host of Supervisor Skills Secrets of Success. The SOS podcast series is produced for the ongoing development of frontline managers. With each episode, we'll take on a topic of interest and interview subject matter experts for the benefit of our listeners. In this episode, we're going to talk to someone that has operational responsibilities for several divisions at South Bay Sandblasting in Southern California. My guest today is Jay Green. I first met Jay last summer when he attended one of our online supervisor skills workshops. Welcome, Jay, and thank you for joining us today. Thank you, Joe. Uh, Thanks for having me. Jay, if you would, uh, just take a little bit, uh, just take a moment, tell us a little bit about who you are and and, uh, just give us a little bit of an update or an overview of what South Bay does. Okay. Well, my name is Jay Green. I uh, lived in California my whole life, mostly in Northern California. Um, And I made my way down to San Diego back in 2010 and engaged myself with the Ship Repair Association and started working on these Navy ships. Uh, After one good company I worked for and we traveled around the world, um, I ended up at South Bay Sandblast and Tank Cleaning, and I currently am the director of the Technical Flush Division, and I also oversee the Outside Machinist Division. Um, South Bay Sandblast and Tank Cleaning is the number one provider of non-skid for the Navy west of the Mississippi. Uh, we have a, a huge, robust tank cleaning division that can manage all the availabilities of these ships. Uh, their team is about 150 people. Uh, my team's more of an intimate, smaller team, about 25 guys in the technical flush division and about five guys in the outside machining division. Um, my my teams are responsible for a lot of the um, uh, flushing services for the United States Navy. Wow, that's pretty impressive. So again, uh, just with your with the role that you have and the service that you that you provide, you're you're definitely tied to the defense of our nation, which uh, I think is an incredible. When you think about the, the the products and the service that you provide, you know that's that's a an awesome um, accolade and, and way to to tie your services and what you do back to the, you know, to the uh, to the country. So again, yeah. thank you for your service and in, in helping provide that. Now, you you mentioned the the technical aspect that you provide technical flushing. Uh, you and I have talked a little bit of it, a little bit in the past, and uh, while that may sound that sound like it's done remotely, perhaps through equipment, if I'm understanding correctly, this is a very labor intensive service that you provide. Absolutely. Now, there's a there's a lot of things that we do on these ships that a lot of people don't understand in the industry. And if you want, I can go over the kind of the general scope of uh, technical flushing. But yeah, you're you're right, Joe. Um, uh, it is very labor intensive, and it is extremely technical. Uh, my team, when we go out to these jobs, what technical flushing essentially is, is you have different components of, of these ships. You have huge reduction gears, main reduction gears, and they have lube oil systems. And a reduction gear takes the interface from the propulsion engine or gas turbine engine and and takes that repetition per minute and and dampens it down into the propulsion shaft so it reduces the amount of rotation however these pieces of equipment are gigantic i mean they're about two stories tall the value of these things around 35 million dollars each and the the criteria of cleanliness for the lube oil systems is extremely high so when they do lose cleanliness or there is overhaul in the system, my team 
uh, with modular equipment, essentially adapt to the lube oil systems with flanges and fittings, and we mimic with our equipment the expected flow rate of that uh, lube oil system with our temporary lube oil system. And we also provide heating systems that heat the oils to whatever requirement, and then huge filtration banks that, that really filters down the oil uh, to establish uh, cleanliness of the system again. Now, that was a short example of it. However, the labor end of it, these projects could go on for several months at times. Wow. So um, very heavy on the labor and also very heavy on the technical abilities. Right. So, you know, when I think about, obviously, what you're doing is very important. It's very important to the defense of our country, but it's also, you provide a a very technical service and you provide employment within the uh, Southern California area. So I want to ask you, in in terms of performance, and and, and I'm going to take this down to where the rubber really hits the road, uh, what's critical for South Bay? Uh, you know, if you think about your performance and, and what you do, uh, what's really critical? Absolutely. I know. Well, it's it's very critical that people are safe. No, you know, um, I have a couple of things. If, if, if we can't do it safe, let's not do it at all. Right. You know, and there's always time to do it right. Okay. Um, if we can't do our job safely, and working for the United States Navy, you can only imagine the oversight. Right. Um, we're not going to win any contracts uh, if our safety records is, is low. So we have to, it's essential, in order to be successful, we have to do things safely. Right. And that corresponds to being professional when we do this work. Um, and one of the things I'm, I'm kind of, it's kind of fun to deal with, and you're kind of bringing up this topic, is, is engagement and buy-in. Um, is we have to get these guys' buy-in to be safe and to be professional in order to get our jobs done correctly. And that, in my mind, is critical to to express the importance of getting things done safely. Right. And so when you think about a, a client, a client situation or arrangement where you, you're providing a service, a product to a client, um, safety is obviously a very important factor. And I know with regard to the Navy, my experience with government contracts, uh, it ranks up there pretty high. I also know that the overall customer experience is is a very, very important part of that equation. And so, you know, it is, it is, uh, it, it's, it's very relevant. And I think it's part of the topic that we want to, I guess the points that we want to pull in today is that so often when we run these podcasts, we'll interview leadership experts and we'll talk about philosophy and, and theory and, and making that practical. And I think your point of view is a little different because you are an operational guy. You're the one that's out there actually having to do it, and you're the one that's actually out there having to please or satisfy a client. And so that's a very different dimension. That's a very, I think it's a very poor, important and very relevant dimension. So you're absolutely right, Joe. And, you know, you can really boil things down. You can have all your different datas and, hey, were we profitable? Were we safe? Did we do it in a timely manner? Ultimately, it boils down to the customer's experience. Right. right? And and that's a kind of a cool thing to look at because if the customer's experience with the, with the company is a positive one and all the attributes have to be checked, you have to do it safe, it has to be done quickly and cleanly, is the ability to direct your team and get your team engaged and focused 
on on projects is is a skill set that lord i mean a lot of managers don't naturally have i mean right. we got brought up through these through these ranks as being good at what we do and and going up to the next level i wasn't necessarily taught to be a leader however in order to get a good customer experience from from the customer you need a leader that can effectively and and clearly communicate the details of the projects, the idiosyncrasies of the projects, right. the cautions uh, or the urgencies. Um, so I, I think I think the customer's experience really starts with the leader of the team. Interesting perspective. I want to ask you a question. I know you attended uh, one of our online workshops last year. Uh, it was a supervisor skills workshop. And as part of that experience, uh, you walked away from there with an individual action plan. And mm-hmm. that really narrowed down something that you were going to follow up on and something that you were going to go work on for improvement. If yeah. you don't mind sharing, uh, what was it? Absolutely. Um, it, was, it, was, it was pretty simple. Um, a little bit of a background of, uh, of me is, I mean, I grew up on a team. I grew up playing sports. I've always been in, in a team atmosphere. And I've never really sensed that uh, while working, you know, have, having a career. And and your workshop kind of helped helped me focus it as this is just like a team. And I'll use the example of a baseball team. And one of my action plans um, was to make this team solidify, make it gel. Right. Um, and I, I kind of did that by, well, I, I'm attempting to do it, um, by being more personable, being uh, sharing myself with each other, and and getting down to the personal level of people. That's interesting. Um, and it, it's kind of a it's kind of a dance, kind of a it's not an easy thing to do. Um, and but it, it's kind of cool how it's really there's other conversations that we need to have with our teams that's beyond work. You know, oh, we yeah. can talk work. I love to talk work. My guys love to talk work. But the the thing that I'm kind of seeing is if you can take a conversation and kind of shifted to a personal thing or, you know, what are you guys doing this weekend? What are you doing for the Super Bowl or stuff like that? You really kind of see the person behind that worker. Right. And that, that person is, is someone who is, is very important to you. He's part of your team and he needs to understand his roles. Um, so as my action plan, um, I'm making things a little bit more personal. I'm under, you know, getting to know the guys a little bit more. Um, I'm learning Spanish as quickly as I can because a lot of my my guys are Spanish speaking, and I, I, I unfortunately don't know it that well. So I'm really trying to get on a personal level with each of my team members. You know, I think about it. You, when you and I last talked, you'd shared with me an, an experience you had with an individual. You you had indicated that the employee and his wife are expecting, I believe, their first child, and you you'd indicated yep. that it's it's going to be a girl. And yep. you shared with that individual, he said, well, look, I have two girls. And and I, I thought that was so powerful because one of the things we know and we understand about building that rapport, that camaraderie, is the importance of finding some sort of common ground. And sometimes that's not easy, especially with generational differences or, you know, the backgrounds that we each have. It's not always easy. But um, I thought that was very powerful. Oh, thanks. I appreciate that, Joe. And, and yeah, it was, um, I mean... As a as a father and also as a professional, um, it, you have these things that are near and dear to your life, my life. And um, he actually walked in 
with a girl dad hat on. He is, his had a hat. It's like a <laughs> sharp looking hat. It said girl dad. And I, it kind of reminded me of it. And then, yeah, we, I shared some photos of my girls and then kind of told him what he needs to expect when they have theirs. So, uh, yeah, it, it's, you know, and I've, I'm fortunate to have a great team. I don't, I don't know how I ended up with these guys, but they're absolutely fantastic. That's incredible. And, you know, we, 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 we each have a need to belong, to have a sense of belonging. And being in a culture where there is that personable, approachable supervisor, manager, one that's willing to really open up about themselves and, and to be transparent, I mean, that that's inviting. And, and it's something I know in my experience, I've really had a lot of value and, and I've appreciated that when I've seen that. So I, I think it can, only, it can certainly only be of, of value and benefit to your organization. So I want to I want to I want to bring up another I want to dive into this a little bit deeper. But, you know, as we think about return on investment and I and I I breached that subject at the very beginning, when you think about a training experience, typically we measure training at a level of how does the how does the learner feel about the experience? Mm -hmm. But we know that there's multiple levels beyond that. For example, feeling and immediately following the, the experience is one thing, but we can also measure what did that person learn. We can also measure what did they do with that information, and then ultimately what sort of impact did it have on the organization. Those okay. are all layers that we can apply when we start talking about return on investment. So I'm going to ask you in in terms of your experience when you in, in not only with the workshop that you went through last year but with with the the leadership sort of materials that you've been exposed to uh what have been some of your learnings that you feel are most impactful to you? Sure, okay. No, that's a fair question. Um I would say that the uniqueness of each individual, you know. We okay. like you said yourself, you, you give these trainings and you you can you can look at the retention of the information by giving them a, a test at the end. You can look at how it was applied, you know, the training that they received, um, how they applied that to the work, and if they made a difference. But what I've kind of experienced is that the big thing is the uniqueness between each individual. And right. I also love the part about the generational difference, right? right. And, and how generation, you know, back from the 40s, 50s, it was a different mindset. Right. They they were they were more focused on you know a career and that was it. Uh, this new generation is way more collaborative. Is way more engagement. They they want to they want to feel like they're making an impact. You and and as employers, the cool thing is give them something to be impactful for. You know, right. give them the opportunity to make an impact if that's what they want. Um. So when it comes down to to, to training and 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 giving information out and hoping it sticks, you know, I, I think there's there's a way to improve it, and and that is to recognize the uniqueness and of each individual, and also uniqueness and also learning capacity of each individual, because not everyone can sit in a classroom and retain information and lock it in. Right. So a a big part of it, what I'm taking away is. If someone wants to be impactful, allow them to make an impact. Right. Allow them to exercise their strengths. Um, but one of the things to take away from your training was 
the difference and uniqueness between all individuals and especially uh, the generational differences. Right. You know, we, we do, we spend a lot of time trying to categorize and, and fit people in boxes, but as we, as we learn through experience, uh, ultimately what matters is what really is important that it, to that individual. You know, how do you communicate right. with them? Some people want to see data. They want to see numbers. Others respond more to stories and experiences. And, and you won't know that unless you get to know that individual. Absolutely. So the ability to to take those learnings and apply them to the the challenges that you face is the is is really the ultimate test. And we think about most workshops. The one of the most recent studies that I read suggested that less than twenty percent of what you're exposed to or what you learn in a workshop, less than twenty percent actually finds its way to practice on the job. That, that's not good. And, and I think about, again, the whole question around what's the real return on investment. Uh, you know, I, I want to ask you next about, okay, we, great learnings. Um, if you would, share with, share with us a few items, uh, a few things that you've done. What are some of the, the actions that you've taken since, uh, since going through this workshop? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so the actions I've, I've taken, you know, when you talk about return on investment, um, I get excited, naturally. <laughs> Um, but it's, it's really, you know, you can go out and buy nice, nice pieces of equipment and they can do the job quicker. Um, we can buy, find better material to do it with. It's cheaper. Um, but really I think the efficiencies nowadays are in the, 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 the personnel, the, right. the worker, the employee, um, the technician, and it effectively is, is getting their buy-in, getting their, um, in, in engagement in this stuff. And some of the things I've done to kind of help pull this team in and to try and make it more of a, of a team atmosphere is I recognize um, projects when they're completed and they were successful. And, and um, we, we had a great project and everything went really well and the customer was very excited about the outcome of the project. I'll recognize that with, you know, with a team lunch. And that, you know, everyone sits down. We're not engaged with work. Uh, we're kind of, you know, we have our, our shields down because we're eating and we're just kind of, you know, uh, enjoying each other's company. Um, so I've, I've kind of tried to recognize uh, projects as, as a group, recognizing it being successful. Um, and some of the things I'm pushing on my team um, is to get more accountability from them. Um, and then that's one of the things I'm kind of expressing every morning is I need each individual to have ownership of their activities. No one's going to get blamed for something that you could have uh, changed or you could have helped with. And, um, and, and allowing them to be in control of and being accountable for their actions. So those are some of the things I'm doing to try to help uh, improve the, the team atmosphere. That's great. And and again, you've given some very relevant examples. These are things that anyone can do. They're things that can be done right away. And I mean, let, let's let's go back to to statistics. Uh, one out of every two employees that voluntarily leave your organization, leave any organization, do so to leave their boss. They don't they don't do so to leave the company or the the nature of the work. They're leaving their boss. And of those three fourths. Three, four, seventy-five percent of those cite 
a lack of appreciation, a lack of feeling valued and appreciated as uh, the primary motive for leaving. So the fact that you're doing something here to say, hey, I want to really take a moment here and thank you for your hard work. uh, You're tying that back to a lot of stuff. And, uh, and it certainly uh, can have impact upon employee engagement. And we all know that uh, you talked about safety earlier. We all know that, uh, you know, that all of those pieces at its root can be tied back to employee engagement. Oh, you're absolutely right, Joe. And, um, you know, you can also, one of the mistakes I think we have is that we, we, we tie the employees' engagement to the labor wage exchange. Right? Right. They, provide, they provide a labor, we provide a wage, and we tie it to that. I think that's a, that's wrong. I think we, we need to tie it to it. The employee's engagement is part of their team and their engagement in the work. And not so much about the wage, because if you make it about the wage, it, it feels like the employee, yeah, I've made enough this week, I'm not going to show up on this day. But if you made it about being a team, they can't let down the team. Right. And and they're, more, they're most, more unlikely to let down the team because, you know, it's a team that creates this effort to get the job accomplished. So I think if you can get the employees more engaged, you'll see less turnover, you'll see more focus, you'll see better attendance, and hopefully ultimately a better effort. Right. Uh, you know, the again, we're, we're kind of walking through this. It's the how did you feel about the experience? What did you learn? What did you do? And what's the impact on performance? And ultimately, I'd like to ask you, and I know it hasn't been that long since you've started some of these actions, but have you seen a shift in performance? Is there anything that you can point your finger to and, and say, you know, this is this appears to be better, it appears to be trending better, and, and I think it's in response to, you know, trying to build that team or trying to communicate more effectively or trying to show value more or uh, more readily. Can you can you think Absolutely. of anything? I um, like you were saying earlier, Joe. I we work for the Department of Defense, United States Navy, so there's there's there's, there's a lot, little bit of pride going on here. And I do have some folks on my team that are ex-Navy, ex-military, um, young guys. And um, I, I saw this this one project that first first of the year is on the USS O'Kane, and a very serious project, high visibility all the way up to the Pentagon. They had visibility wow. on it. The project was actually assigned a, a, a third a three-star admiral just to oversee the repairs to the wow. production gear. And my team was in charge of flushing the, the Lubo system of this reduction gear. Very finite dates, uh, two weeks to do essentially, you know, four weeks worth of work. And, um, you know, I had to get the team together and kind of express the urgency of this, the seriousness of it, and, and how they had, had to ultimately just work as a team, you know. Um, and, man, I just, I just saw these young guys just kind of just, just a fire was lit underneath them. They knew they had something important to do. They took ownership of it. They worked long hours. And it's just a self-starting thing. Right. And um, it, it's absolutely, it takes a lot of load off my shoulders when I have a very aggressive team that's excited about work and that's engaged in the work and understands how to get it accomplished within the timeline. Yeah. I'm not saying it's an exact correlation to um, me trying to get the team together, but I'm seeing a lot of improvement and a lot of urgency with these guys. That's incredible. And, and again, uh, employee engagement, we think about, it is about the employees going above and beyond, feeling connected, feeling motivated. There's so many pieces of, of employee engagement that directly uh, hit the bottom line. 
So the fact that you're able to, you know, to see that and to start to see that that connection, that energy, I, I think that's just so powerful. Um, again, it, it'll be interesting. I'd love to follow up with you at some point, uh, you know, just see how things are going and, and see if you've noticed reductions and turnover and improvements in safety and all the things that we objectively would like to tie back. And I know in many cases that that takes time to be able to demonstrate right. that. But again, uh, thank you so much for sharing that. Um, got a, a, you know, one more question for you. And, and I always like to button these things up, these up, these uh, podcasts up with any sort of advice that you might offer, have for listeners that uh, may want, that may have interest in this. They may say, hey, I'd like to really start applying some leadership skills. I'd like to do something. Do you have any advice that you would share for share to them based on your experiences? Absolutely. Uh, my advice would be um, to understand who you are. Understand your limitations, our limitations, my limitations, your own limitations, and understand that you might be good at what it, whatever it is you, you do, but doesn't mean you're an effective leader. It doesn't mean you're good at communicating. It doesn't mean that you, you're respectful to everybody. And these are some of the things, if you're, if you're take yourself seriously and you take your career seriously, you have to take your team seriously because they're ultimately an extension of yourself. They're a reflection of the supervisor. Right. And my, some of my advice I would share is take some time to reflect on how your team perceives you and if there's any ability for you to improve on that. And ultimately, learn, learn how to be a leader and learn how to effectively communicate with everyone on their team, old or young, whatever it might be. Um, understand that you have your own limitations and that you, there's room for you to improve on as well. That's great advice. You know, I'm often reminded that, you know, when we're on our tools, when we're out there turning wrenches, our performance is a reflection of the things that we personally do and the products that we produce. When you are promoted and you become a, a supervisor or a foreman um, or lead, you you suddenly are in a position where your performance is a reflection of what those reporting to you do. So whereas uh, as a, as a, on your tools, uh, it's your production is based on what you're able to produce uh, you've got to get that done through others when you become a mm-hmm. supervisor or manager. And, and that's something that, that leadership and leadership skills will greatly enable you to do and at least do more effectively. Absolutely. Jay, thank you so much. Uh, we're, we're out of time. Uh, you know, it's, as usual, it's always a pleasure speaking with you. Uh, for anyone that, um, you know, that may have interest in following up with Jay or getting more information, his contact information will be available in the show notes for this episode. We'll also put a link in there for South Bay Sandblasting uh, in, in the event that you might have interest in learning more about the, the company. Uh, for those listening, I hope you found this discussion of value and benefit. Uh, if so, help us spread the word. Also, if you would, share this podcast with anyone else that you know of that might be interested. The SOS podcast series is brought to you by AEU Lead, a consultancy dedicated to the needs of frontline managers. For additional information or follow us on social media, please use the links in the showcase, or the, I'm sorry, the show notes provided. That's it for now. Stay safe and thanks for listening.